This show is a proud member of the Nerdy Legion Podcast Network. Get more at nerdylegion.com. Enjoy the show! Alright, Jay, we're finally back. Episode 13 of Comics in Black and White. It's been a while since we've podcasted. Uh, we, we tried to do this a while back, but uh didn't quite work out, and then stuff just kept happening. So it's good to be back in the, the podcast studio here. Yes, I don't know if it's summer or what. It just seems like a lot of distractions going on here lately. Not just for me and you, but for other people as well, it seems like. But we are back, and that's all that matters. Yep. So this uh, this week we're talking about Black Magic, a book by Greg Grucka, published by Image, uh, art by Nicholas Scott. I looked her up a little bit because I didn't know too much about her uh, besides this, but it turns out I have read some of the other stuff that she's done. It's always interesting to see when you cross over the same person. I did that recently with uh, Matt Hollingsworth, who's a, a color artist. Uh, I realized that he was the reason that I liked Seven to Eternity and uh, Tokyo Ghost. And I started seeing his name everywhere. He did uh, the Fraction AHA uh, run of Hawkeye. He did Preacher. He did all sorts of stuff. So you, you start to notice that. You know, somebody catches your eye with one thing, and then you look, and a lot of times you realize that they've done other stuff that you've liked as well. Right. That's true. Yeah, and I've, like I said, I've come across some of her stuff as well. I know she's been working with Rucka on part of the new uh, the rebirth of Wonder Woman. Yeah, it looks like she's been doing the flashback issues or the the backstory issues. I guess would be the the correct way to say that. Yeah, yeah. They were doing, I think, Wonder Woman. He's doing uh, sort of alternating issues: Wonder Woman current, and then uh, you know back. You know, flashbacks, I guess, is the best way to... Oh, I can't think of another way of putting it, so that's, that's as good as any. Yeah, I was reading that for a little bit as it was coming out when uh, when I was doing the Rebirthically podcast before I got bored with DC and left that to Ronnie and Aaron. Um, and I definitely liked those issues better. The newer issues just weren't quite as interesting to me. I don't know how it really fleshed out over time. It's definitely something that I, at some point, want to go back and read those trades and see how it ended up, but... More of a more of a library read than a spend my money on it read. Right. Yeah, looking through some of the stuff that she's done, uh, she did that. Of course, she did Black Magic with Greg Rucka, which we're talking about here. Um, she did uh, a bunch of Secret Six. That was the other thing that caught my eye with Gail Simone. I read the first trade of the Gail Simone Secret Six, which would have been a good chunk of uh, Nicola's artwork, and uh, I definitely liked it. Heard. I didn't really, her name didn't sink in with me then, but like I said, you put the pieces together and you start to realize that you like more that uh, somebody has done, which right. is kind of what brought us to doing this in the first place. I mean, Black Magic, it, it, it kind of caught my eye when it came out a little bit. You know, I heard the name, whatever, but I didn't think much of it. But uh, the reason we chose to do this is you're particularly a fan of Greg Rucka. I certainly don't dislike Greg Rucka, so... We decided to do a, a newer black and white comic book instead of always going back to the, the old or the um, the really indie stuff. Image isn't really that indie. I don't think of it as indie, no. But no. Uh, at least not in that in a way I do with other stuff. But uh, yeah, it's like calling uh, 
calling punk rock nowadays, Indy. It's just it's just <laughs> not anymore. Well, you would know more about that than I. So. Yeah, I know less and less every day. I so, uh, where should we get started with this? Uh, the story is, I guess, fairly straightforward. She's a witch. She's a cop. She's a witch cop. Right. And uh, she's investigating crimes that seem suspicious, seem like somebody is after the witches. Obviously, this is something that's happened before. So uh, in in this, the first trade that we read, which is the first five issues, it keeps some some level of vagueness on what this other group is that's gunning for the witches. And it ends with it giving a little bit of a reveal, but we still don't really know what this other group is. Uh, the downside with this book is I think only three more issues have come out. Greg Rucka just kind of abandoned it to do Wonder Woman. Right. Well, he has now wrapped up his his run on Wonder Woman. I, I think after issue 25, he's done. So that may be good news for Black Magic fans, if you've been reading it, that he may have more time to get back to doing that. So and other other things that he's working on. But I know he's he's wrapped up on Wonder Woman, so that yeah. won't be any reason for him to not. That's sort of a, I don't want to get digressed too far, but that's sort of a pattern that Image does with a lot of their stuff is that they'll do an arc, put it out in trade, and they'll take a three, two, three month hiatus. This one's been a lot longer than that, though, so it's... it's Yeah, I don't mind the shorter hiatus. Uh, I mean, like, with us being Valiant fans, we saw that with Rye, where it was planned, where they would do a four-issue arc, and then there would be a hiatus of a few months, and that was because uh, Clayton Crane, it takes time for him to do his art, but the the difference to me with that, too, and some of the other image stuff we've seen is especially with the Valiant book, they have the arc in the bag before it's being published. So, I mean, it's it's set. It's done. I don't like what happened here where they did an arc and then a few issues, and then he just got too busy, so they stopped doing it. Like, that's to me, that's disrespectful of uh, of your fans. Um, I know, obviously, the, the Wonder Woman deal is the big deal for Rucka, uh, and I certainly wouldn't expect anybody creating comics to turn down the the regular job with the big company that's paying. I'm assuming, you know, paying more. The fault kind of falls on the on Image. Uh, I was talking about this with somebody not too long ago about Black Mask and how. Uh, I don't. Did you ever check out Four Kids Walk Into a Bank? I read the first three issues and then I got tired of waiting for others, so I stopped. Yeah, I think I read the first two issues after people wouldn't stop talking about it. But I think, was it the third issue that just finally came out or the fourth issue that just finally fourth, came out? The fourth, that just finally came, recently yeah, came a, out. I'm never going to touch it. I Maybe if it comes out in trade one day, I'll check it out. But if you can't get it, I mean, you're doing one arc, uh, you know, a comic story that's just one arc. Have the story all done before it goes to get published. That way you can release on a regular basis and it's done. Um, right. And to me, that falls on the publisher because the creator of that got other opportunities or paying him big money. I mean, comic creators aren't in this to, you know, be noble and create the the best story they can at the the cost of their own lives. I mean, they got to earn money. They got they got lives to support. You know. Well, and the other thing is, I mean, 
it's not just money. Like Rucka also has written another uh, book for Image, uh, Lazarus, that has been very popular, wi- very widely acclaimed, critically, you know, praised. And they're 20 or something issues into that. But is as well received as that has been, he's never going to be as well known as he is for his work with DC and Marvel. And I think it's another thing that creators take into account is if you want any kind of notoriety or to make your name, then you, then yeah, you need to know, you need to work with, for one of you know, the two big publishers for the most part. Uh, you know, there are exceptions in every case, but so yeah, there's a lot of things to consider, but yeah, it is, it is, it is, annoying to the reader to get invested because you know you pay you're paying three ninety nine for the you know, an issue and you pay two and you buy two or three issues and you get into it and you get invested and, and it stops it's 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 not something i enjoy you know yeah I so i'm gonna keep doing it uh, if they stop putting out something regularly but yeah, it's so like in the case of black magic eight issues have come out i believe right so Black Magic, I, I believe eight issues have come out. So the first five issues is a trade. If they cut it off there, okay, well, it's left on a cliffhanger, but you got a story. But then, you know, you keep going, so you pick up issue six and seven and eight. So now you spent $12 and you're in the middle of a story. That'd be like going to the movie theater. You spend 12 bucks to go to the movie theater and the movie breaks in the middle. And they just say, okay, well, you got enough. That's okay. You know, if you want to see the rest, come back and spend $8 more when we feel like getting it fixed, like nobody's going to do that. That's true. So uh, now that we've talked about how disappointing this is, let's get on to the story. (laughs) (laughs) Um, What what stood out to you about the story? I mean, I kind of just summed it up. There's, there's not a lot of depth to it. I enjoyed it. Uh, On the surface, I look at it. I'm like, it's a, it's a comic about witchcraft. That doesn't really appeal to me. Um, What made it good to me is that it's a kind of a crime suspense comic right yeah i'm the same way the you know occult genre is not one that appeals to me very much at all i really picked this up kind of simply because it was greg rucka because okay i read him and wonder woman i read lazarus i read other things he's done and he's you know always i consider him one of the premier writers in comics today and i it very much like you, I think the you know crime part, investigative aspect of it was more intriguing to me than simply the witchcraft. It didn't. It's not a really. I agree. It's not a very in-depth story. I would say right now it's not my favorite thing that I've read by Rucka by any by any stretch. But it was a good story. I it, I found it entertaining at least through the first the first trade. Yeah, that's pretty much how I felt. I mean, it was it was a fun read. It was good. It was better than like if you take away Rucka's name and just look at you know the cover of the book, I got more enjoyment out of it than I would have expected. Um, right. and even though Rucka, like I'm familiar enough with his name that I I give something Rucka does, uh, you know, a, not the benefit of the doubt, but I'm more willing to check it out just just because it's something Rucka did because he hasn't he hasn't burned me yet. I guess you know you'd say so. This was it was enjoyable, but reading the first trade and knowing that with the stalls, like I, I have no interest in picking up any more of it at this point. 
I don't think I will either. Yeah, even though it's, you know, I, I kind of want to find out what happened, but not enough. I mean, there's other stuff Rucka has done that I'd rather read. Like, I, the reason I got this first trade was I was able to get on a Comixology sale. They had a ridiculous image sale. Um, I know you partook, uh, our producer, Sparkman, dove in pretty deep with it. Um, one of the things I kept thinking of uh, while reading this is that I really wanted to read Criminal. Because it's like, I'm enjoying reading this crime story. I wish I bought a better one instead that kept going. Uh, uh, crim- criminal is outstanding. <laughs> that is yeah. just outstanding. I read a little bit of Criminal a while, like years ago. Um, and I liked it fine, but it was, I was kind of newer to comics and I was, there was so much new stuff that I, you know, it didn't interest me enough, but one of these days I gotta, gotta go back and start reading that. Um, yeah, I, I picked up the three trades of Lazarus. Actually, I guess it's four trades because I picked up two trades and then, uh, another volume that was the second, or the third and fourth trade. So anyways, that's the, the Rucka that I really want to read is Lazarus. I read the first trade of that some time ago and really enjoyed it and have always wanted to read more of it. Uh, I also have uh, his Wonder Woman. I, I picked that up on Comixology, um, one of the collections of his Wonder Woman stuff that I've always heard great stuff about. You know, and look, another thing that intrigues me about Rucka that I like to point out is he primarily, or more often than not, he seems to enjoy writing books with female protagonists. And he does it very well. He writes these women very well. I mean, you've got... Um, you know, the, the protagonist of Lazarus is a female. You got he does Wonder Woman. You got Rowan Black in this book, uh, you know, uh, the woman who's the witch and the and the p- police officer. He he just seems to really appeal to him to write stories with female protagonists. And I always I find that interesting. Yeah, he does a good job of it. Um, oh, what was it when when Valiant was releasing Gen Zero? And Fred Van Lenty was writing it. I remember somebody complaining about how Fred Van Lenty couldn't do a good job writing it because why would he know how to write young people? Oh, yes. Yeah, I, I thought that was a ridiculous argument. I mean, Ruck is a good example. It's like, I'm pretty sure Ruck is not a woman. But uh, even without having read Wonder Woman yet, I've read some Lazarus. I've read this now. Uh, his, From what I've read, his track record for writing female characters is pretty good. Yeah. I think it's outstanding. Well, yeah, you can't make an argument like that. It's like, okay, you're not a teenager, so you can't write teenagers. Well, tell that to, um, JD Salinger who wrote catcher in the rye, which is, you know, one of the great books of literature. I think that was actually my specific argument too. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's like, okay, you know, Salinger was well into his thirties, maybe even forties when he wrote that. And, um, yeah, you just can't make an argument like that. I don't know. Yeah. You know, writing good characters, it's, uh, it's about having an understanding of people and, you know, the human condition in different ways. And you can, you can understand and resonate with people that are completely different from you. That's, you know, one of the reasons I think reading literature is so important, um, and I, I don't think – I mean, you get it some in comic books too, but I think comics, it, it you don't have to uh, 
feel as tied into it. But when you read literature, like you have to align yourself with the protagonist of the book, regardless of what the protagonist is. Uh, I was talking about this in the case of Lolita with Sparkman. He had never read Lolita. Uh, the subject matter of Lolita is, uh, you know, a little, little suspicious. Um, basically it's about a book about, it's a book about a pedophile. Um, but it's not just a book about a pedophile. You know, if you had some author today, some popular author that's on the, the bestseller list all the time writing the story of Lolita, it would just be a trash book. But when you look right. at, um, when you look at what Nabokov did, the reason Lolita is a work of art isn't because he wasn't writing just a story about, a you know, an older man that's perving on a little girl. It's the art and how the story is told. But you read that book and you have to align yourself with this old pervert, basically. Uh, and when you read any kind of book like that, you know, books about people that are different than you, it it forces you to think, you know, empathetically with them. You know, what do they think? What do they feel? Even if they're in the wrong, you know, if you're reading a book about a criminal, a murder, anything like that, you have to try to understand the protagonist. And that's the same way in comics with good character writing. You have to try to understand who you're writing and why are they doing the things they do. And that's what makes really good characters. Now you read, you read the, uh, digital versions of this, correct? Yeah. Okay. Cause there was something that's in the print versions. I don't know if it was showed up in the digitals, but at the, at the end of every issue, there was extra, uh, content. And sometimes it was in the form of this memoir that some person is not even in the book, you know, from uh, way back in 1562 is writing this memoir of you know, how first time he saw witches being burned. And I don't think that uh, was that in the digital content. No, Did you no that was. Okay. That'd be awesome. It was, but I didn't feel that it really. It was kind of disjoint. I mean, it gave some maybe historical context for, you know, who may be after Rowan, this, you know, this organization or whoever these people are, are coming after Rowan. But it didn't really tie in. And at the end of the first issue, they actually did a, uh, a two page. It was a genealogy going back to 1650 of the ancestry leading up to Rowan. And, but they've, at least in the first five issues, they never referenced it or tied back to it. Maybe it'll come into play later on in the story. But just a couple of things I thought, okay, they're, they're interesting, but I found myself losing interest with each issue because they didn't really specifically. I mean, obviously, I think you can read the story without it. You did. And I think there's a reason that they didn't publish that extra material in the, in the digital versions. Yeah, so it's kind of like a, an add-on to make you feel like you're getting more content, but without it really being a necessary add-on. So, unless you're just really enthralled, it kind of... Hey, you've read uh, Britannia, right? Yeah. So, Britannia uh, is being published by Valiant, for those listening that don't know what it is. Uh, the second volume uh, is is ongoing right now and probably about wrapped up. I'm a, I'm a little behind on my Valiant reading. But one thing they've done in Britannia is uh, at the end of the comic, it takes place in like in ancient Rome, basically. And they have uh, historical writings from 
like professors about different aspects of Roman life. And it's interesting. And when I read the, the first volume of Britannia, I read all that stuff and I liked it. But there were times as like I wanted to read the comic and I you know, maybe I have a stack of comics I got to get through. And I get to the end, I'm like, ah, this is going to take so long to read. And it's like, I just want to move on to this other comic right now. Sometimes I feel like that add-in stuff, you know, unless you're really enthralled with everything right. about the subject matter, it can get a little, uh, a little tedious sometimes. And typically, I am interested in that, especially like with Britannia, because it's written more from a scholarly point of view. This extra content here in Black Magic is, like I said, it's written by I can't even pronounce this guy. It's in French, Giles Robert Dupont Levesque. It, and it's each each issue is an excerpt from like a journal or a memoir or something he's writing, and you, you just read it and you keep thinking the way it's written. It's obviously a fictionalized account. You just think, okay, how is this person tying in, or is this simply just trying to give us you know a framework of how you know the witch witchcraft and how it was viewed in the. Uh, 16th century and a little bit of background of witch trials. And if it's strictly from that point of view, trying to give you that, maybe some people can get a benefit out of it. I didn't think it was, I don't think it added anything to my reading of the material at all. One of the things I liked in, uh, in black magic, it's a black and white comic almost entirely, but they very rarely throw just a little hint of color in there. It's not like a fully colored page, but just, a little bit of color and what's going on, and it pretty much is used to illustrate when they are using magic, which I thought was to a pretty cool effect. It's you know when you're drawing a comic and you draw something like magic, it's just it's a drawing, you know, it, you know what it is, but there's nothing that really feels magical about it. But by the way they added this color, it it felt different than everything else. So it did make it feel like, oh, what's going on here? Something crazy's happening, jumping out at you, you know? Right. Um, I thought it was it was to a cool effect where it made the magic feel special in the book. Like they're not using magic constantly in the book. They're using you know, it gets used here and there a little bit and every time it does, they really make it feel like something different is going on. Um, that's, that's not the easiest effect to get in a, in a comic book. Yeah, I thought it was very effective too. Uh, just having to say, despite my respect for Rucka is writing, I think the artwork was definitely the strength of this book Mm. more so than the, than the story and the writing. The story was good, but it wasn't great. I don't think it was, I mean, it was pretty straightforward. Um, I just didn't think it was as, as up to some of the standards of Rucka's other writing, but the artwork is really, really well done. Yeah. Um, That's why I left this with. This wasn't like a blight on Rucka, but it was definitely uh, caught my attention for uh, Nicola Scott. Yeah. Cause I think she's, she's, she's quite talented and I'm, I'm curious to know, because they do, they do credit a colorist in the in the credits, obviously, because of what it's done. But I'm also wondering if she also did some of the monochrome shading that was on, you know, like the shadows on the faces, or you know, some under somebody's lower eyelid, the shadows or the indention of the nose. 
I'm wondering if that was Nicola Scott doing that herself or if you know this woman who's the colorist had done some of that. Probably Scott was doing it, but I was just intrigued me of how that was done. Yeah, that's an interesting question. Um, a lot of times, some of the, the little details that add so much are easy to overlook in comics, and um, you know, it, colorists are very important in you know most cases. It wouldn't surprise me at all if, even with most of the book just being in black and white, if there were details added in by the colorist, if they, if they have them working on the book, you know. They might have them doing a little, that a little bit more that just adds that little bit extra to it. It's just like lettering. Lettering's overlooked a lot. Um, it is. Good Good lettering goes unnoticed for the most part. Bad lettering you notice. Oh, God, I forget who who it is, but I saw, every time I talk to somebody about um, 90s com, Oh, I, it's actually my, my, uh, my shop owner, my, my LCS here. And when, whenever we talk about how bad a lot of 90s comic art is... He talks about how all the the inking looks like it was just done with like a sharpie. It's just these massive thick lines. Um, right. Yeah, it's like bad inking is really noticeable. Good inking, you just don't even notice it. Like that. That's the the best inking. You just don't even think about the inking. Right. Yeah, I think a lot of that. You know, all three of those: inking, coloring, and lettering. You know, they're very. They are not recognized well enough. For what they are, I mean, a good colorist, like you say, it it that makes or breaks you know, how one looks at the, the comics. Yeah, I feel like colorists are starting to get more of the credit they deserve uh, with the work they do. Um, you know, there's some co- colorists that their names are getting pretty well known, like Jordi Belair, for example. Um, and uh, I think more comic publishers are highlighting the colorist on the book and not just the, the writer and artist. Right. And when you go back to older comics, they didn't even put the name of the writer or artist on the cover. Yeah. Well, and you know, technology, <laughs> this is amusing that we're talking about colorists on a podcast about comics in black and white, but um, you know, the technology has gotten to where that color can, is much can be much better done now. It's more subtle. You can get, you know, a lot more different shades. Whereas older comics, you know, the Silver Age, Golden Age comics, you had four colors. You didn't have a lot of leeway what you could do um, with it. With that, and then, of course, it was also on printed on newsprint, which is somewhat gives you somewhat limitations on what you can do with with coloring. But um, I, yeah, I think so. I think you're right that, and, I, and it's good to see that colorists and other creators, the inking and the lettering are, are starting to get better recognition because they are important parts. It's not just one thing. Definitely. Well, I don't know how much there, how much else there is to say about black magic. There's a story there. You can read it. I bought it for a dollar forty. <laughs> I paid more for it than that. Cause I bought the, <laughs> the uh, print copies, but I don't regret it. Um, it was an interesting read. Uh, I say, not my favorite Rucka by any means, but I don't feel like it was a waste of time at all. Yeah, I agree. I I, I enjoyed it. Um, I wouldn't recommend somebody go out and get it, but I wouldn't dissuade somebody either. So if anybody you know has been interested, give it a read because you won't. I don't think you'll regret it if it has piqued your interest. 
if you weren't interested in the first place, I wouldn't bother with it because it's not like there's something there that makes it uh, worth excessively beyond just just the enjoyment of reading it. So, <sighs> yep, and that's black I... magic for you. Okay, shake off the dust with a little uh, little easy <laughs> episode here tonight. Yeah, I I have a feeling that uh, that this may be a little sporadic for a while. But the good news is, for everybody listening, that uh, you and Dennis have your own thing in the works. You want to tell us a little bit about that? Yes. Uh, we have been – it's been a while getting – it's like we've taken us a long time to get started. Uh, we're doing another podcast. It'll be on the Nerdy Legion Network. Uh, it's called Best of the Rest, an indie comics podcast. And we'll be covering independent comics – we're staying away from things that are already have podcasts on the network, like Valiant and Boom, Aftershock. Those all are, are covered on other podcasts. We won't be talking about those. But it's just things that Dennis and I like um, with independent comics and how we define it, which is pretty loose <laughs> definition. Um, specifically, I know one thing that we're going to be doing uh, we've decided that at least one podcast per month we're trying to devote exclusively to the Catalyst Prime books that are coming out from Lions Forge, a new publisher, or a fairly new publisher, out in the game. So there seems to be some interest in, interest in that. And they're going to be publishing a – it's a superhero shared universe, but it's going to have – I think it'll be – by the end of the year, they're supposed to have seven titles. So it's, it's going to be very small. Similar to like Valiant does, you know, not a lot of books, but well done and and tightly, tightly kept together. So look for that in the near future. Awesome! Yeah, I was glad to hear that you guys got that rolling because uh, I foresaw problems in keeping this podcast regular in summer and all that kind of <laughs> stuff. So hopefully, yeah. you guys will get that rolling and that'll kind of fill the the you know the gap that this leaves for now and then. And if, you know, we'll, we'll periodically have episodes of comics in black and white, but we'll get it rolling again in the future more. Yeah, and I'm, I'm looking forward to I did read uh, the free comic book day issue from Catalyst Prime, and that was uh, definitely pretty, it was, it was a good read. So I look forward to you guys talking about that, talking about other stuff. And I just, you know, it just brings me a little joy that I have birthed another podcast in this world. You know, I, <laughs> I dragged you and Dennis's asses both on this podcast, and look at this. I got you two together. Now you're making another one. Just like how I made Ronnie yes. and Aaron make Rebirthically, and now they're doing all kinds of stuff. <laughs> yes, what can I say? <laughs> have you to thank for, for it. But it's it's I, I, I'm looking forward to it. I think we're going to have some fun on it. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. Yeah, so uh, hopefully at some point in the near future, I'll be recording with Dennis on uh, Tyrant, uh, a failed comic. The, the the creator, from what Dennis has told me already, uh, basically made it for a while and then decided he didn't want to do it anymore, something to that effect. So I look forward to finding out more from Dennis about it. And uh, I still have to read that, as a matter of fact. So hopefully that'll be coming before too long. Uh, beyond that, I we don't have any plans at the moment, so... Give us some feedback, some suggestions if there's anything you want us to talk about. Jay and I will keep talking. We'll get something going. Honestly, Jay, you know what might not be a bad idea is if uh, there's some things that, that I would definitely like to read and, and get into. And we may take some time and some coordinating. But like uh, Strangers in Paradise, for example. 
lot of right. stuff to read there. So we can, uh, oh yeah, maybe we'll, we'll lay out a bigger plan for that, and that'll be kind of the the relaunch into comics in black and white regular when okay when we tackle the beginnings of tackling something bigger like that. Sounds good. A lot of what I thought while I was reading uh, Black Magic was stuff like, ah, this. I wish I was reading Rachel Rising instead of this if I want to read about witches. <laughs> well, yes, I understand. <laughs> well, thanks for joining tonight, Jay. Uh, this was a, a very impromptu podcasting session. I'm glad uh, you saved my night from being wasted once Martin stood me up. And, uh, oh, boy. You can uh, tweet us on Twitter. I am at Who's Paul. Jay is at Jay Forgets. Uh, the podcast is at CBW Podcast. Um, so hit us up there. Let us know what you'd like to hear, and uh, we'll make some plans and get some podcasts planned for the future. Very good. That was pathetic. Ooh. Nerdy Legion. All right, and now this is where uh, where my producer puts in some good outro music. Now, Sparkman, make this interesting. Outro! <laughs> now I'm in Maine. Far, far away from there. Yeah, I'm going to rip your throat out.